explain. Of course, it's it, it's Bowel Cancer Awareness Month. Now, I think obviously that there shouldn't necessarily be a, a month dedicated just to one particular cancer, and that we should always be body aware and everything. But this is how um, this is how the industry rolls, I guess. So, so uh, April is Bowel Cancer Awareness Month, and Nat, aka Mission to Remission. Um, is quite an incredible, she's got an incredible story. Um, and I'm really, really excited to hear more about that. Oh, now how do I do this? Because I've got other people wanting to join and I just need to find, uh, let's see how I do that. Hang on. If anybody's requested to go live with me, can they just un-request so that I... Uh, how do I do that? Um, can... Nat, could you just do it again? Could you request it again, honey? Hi, Dr. Philippa. Nice to see you on here. Oh, I wonder if I can request. That could be fun. Uh, turn off request, go live. No. Hmm. It's not letting you. Um, go, if you, uh, now, if you log out, like go out of the chat and come back in again and do it. If you don't mind. Hi, Marie. Hi, Grace. Ah, oh, so nice to see you guys. Hi, Sasha. I'm actually quite excited because, um, so bowel cancer, it's some, I'm working on a really good um, bowel cancer campaign for um, the ITV Lorraine show as well. So we're launching that in a couple of weeks. So you guys will have to watch out for it. It's really fun what we're doing. Still no. Uh, how do I, if anybody is on here and knows why I'm having an issue, do shout. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Right. Request to you, Nat. So you, you should. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what I was doing. I think I've got like a massive chocolate hangover and making all the wrong choices on my buttons there. Sorry, guys. It was um, probably me. I'm like allergic to technology. <laughs> I just don't know what I was doing wrong. And then there were other people trying to get in. And then, oh, anyway, so <laughs> lovely to talk to you. Um, guys, this is really annoying that, that there are names going over Nat's face because I can turn that off if it's better, if people find it distracting. I never know what's the best uh, thing <laughs> to do there. Uh, let's see what people say, because I can always switch it off. Hi, guys. Hi, Anisha. So, it's Bowel Cancer Awareness Month. It is. What's like, what does that even, what does that even mean? Does it mean that that's the only time that we should be talking about it? No, we should be talking about it all year round, of course. Yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of with you. I heard your intro and I, it shouldn't really be a thing that we have these months. I'm kind of the same as you with that, but... What is good is that it does shine a spotlight and it does, you know, I mean, it's it's everywhere on my feed. Bowel cancer awareness, bowel cancer awareness. Yeah. 
And for me, I just think it probably uh, isn't for everyone, but anything that shines a light and also that changes people's perception, because I'm seeing lots of really young people with bowel cancer. And this is what we want to get talking about. Yeah. And I I don't know if it's because I am now very much in the sort of cancer community world that I'm seeing it more. Or is there a definite shift in people talking about bowel cancer more? I feel like it is, but I don't know if it's just because I'm immersing myself in it more. Um, Mm. What do you think? Do do you think? I think, yeah, because so I have I got diagnosed in 2019 and it's kind of hard to judge because, like you say, you're immersed in it. So when you're sort of in that world you kind of see more of it anyway. But I feel like even since 2019, the beginning of when I was first diagnosed, I definitely feel like there's more conversation opening up around it. Yeah, yeah. Big time. And also um, for me, like um, conversation around things, obviously that people don't like talking about, like their bones and their poo. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, so let's, let's rewind back then, if you don't mind. And so, so how old were you in 2019? Um, so 2019, I was 36. So I was 36 when I was diagnosed. In uh, and what were the symptoms? So it was kind of a long thing for me. So about a year of, at first, mild symptoms. So I was probably about a year before I started to have like, um, I guess when I ate, I became like bloated, uncomfortable, nothing to really like write home about. I just thought it was as the doctors would like normally say to someone young might be a bit of stress anxiety IBS IBS. that old chestnut (laughs) yeah 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 so I didn't really think anything of it I carried on and I started then when I went back they started to they said why don't you take a food group out each time so maybe try wheat dairy yeah so I was doing that sort of a few weeks at a time and actually, I found that taking out wheat really did help. So I thought, oh, great. So it's a wheat intolerance. So that worked. It, it eased the symptoms for a little while. And then I would say about six months before diagnosis, I became very, very tired all the time and mm. started to lose a lot of weight. And I'm quite a small person anyway. The weight was kind of dropping off me. And I, at first, I was thinking, well this is good winning (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, and then after a while I started to worry and I thought there's something not right like I'm 36 I shouldn't be this tired all the time yeah I don't know why I'm losing Um, um, weight and how tired is tired like what did that mean did you wake up tired did you want to go to bed at five o'clock in the evening or were you wanting to sleep during the day or yeah I was kind of napping a lot but I would wake up after a night's sleep feeling like I could go back to sleep and it was like right. it's like that feeling you know when you're tired and you you lack enthusiasm to do anything like it yeah. kind of makes like, your, like when you get jet lag yeah and it makes your mood like low yeah. yeah 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 so it was kind of it got to the point where I knew something was wrong like never crossed my mind that it was cancer but I thought I shouldn't be this tired all the time and like just no energy like someone had drained the energy out of me yeah yeah um and I presumably you don't have this in the family at all so there were no warning signs in terms of relatives like your parents having it or anything like that no well my mum is a breast cancer survivor actually so she um I'm aware of 
different you obviously feel a lump perhaps yes so I'm always really aware of things like that because I'm going through it with my mum you know yeah but with the bowel cancer symptoms it I just wasn't aware that it was that these were symptoms of bowel cancer and I I the thing as well I I could explain a lot of it so I was working two jobs trying to and I was really tired so I thought well obviously I'm you know trying to juggle two jobs there was always things that were explained and obviously with your bowels it's until it maybe until it gets too big you can't really like feel for a lump no, you know, the, no. the symptoms progress quite a lot before mm. you actually start to think hang on a minute yeah there's something wrong here um about three months before I started to get very very poorly I couldn't go to the toilet it would either be re- like extreme diarrhea or I couldn't go at all and that kind of went on to the mm. point to the fact where I was I was like spending four hours at a time in the bathroom trying to go to the toilet. Wow. Wow. Had, my partner had to come and sit in with me, bless him, because I kept oh. passing out of the toilet with pain. So what, like uh, abdominal pain. Yeah. And all in my bottom and just, oh, I, it wouldn't, yeah. I, I couldn't physically go to the toilet. So I went to, I, and I started to get um, back pain, really bad back pain, almost like sciatic pain. Yeah, which did turn out to be the tumours growing into my spinal nerves. <laughs> At wow. the time, I didn't know that, obviously. Anyway, so I when I got to that point, I went to the doctor, um, and he mentioned like IBD, so uh, Crohn's disease, ulcerative yeah. colitis, um, and I when I he did an internal examination into my bottom, which he I, I mean he could barely. So could barely, barely get in there <laughs> right oh, it was God. so I was in so much pain by this point um and he said look I'm kind of not happy with your symptoms I'm gonna put you on a two-week cancer referral but you haven't got cancer you're too young so please don't go away from here worrying and I didn't I thought I've got uh, I've got Crohn's I've got ulcerative colitis which obviously isn't ideal but mm. cancer just and you were ticking all the you were ticking all the symptoms for that as well weren't you yeah definitely so yeah it was a really long process but I have Mm. to say you know it sounds like I don't want to say I was let down by my GP because actually in the beginning it wasn't extreme and I could answer it and I do think that you know there are things are changing with regards to I personally don't believe that any doctor or anyone in the medical profession should say to someone you're too young to have cancer Mm. it just shouldn't be allowed it shouldn't Mm. be a thing uh, whether it's bowel cancer or any cancer mm. um but I'm not going to sit here and you know blame my GP for letting me down it is what it is what it is it happened and mm. as a young as a woman in my 30s I also was convinced that it was something else I did yeah. they were the symptoms of other things yeah. as well yeah 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 so so you had the the two-week referral and did they give you a colonoscopy then yeah. So you had your colonoscopy and, and they can tell very quickly when they do a colonoscopy, can't they? Yeah. So yeah. I knew I basically came face to face with my cancer on the, on the, on the monitor. Yeah. So I obviously didn't know what I was looking at, but the tone of the room changed quite a lot. So right. um, oh. the guy, the guy doing my colonoscopy was like, 
a little bit short with me. He was like, I don't know why you're in so much pain. It's not normally this painful for people. And I just was in so much pain. And then as he sort of went up, my cancer was very low down. So it's in my rectum, right down um, outside of the bowel, all around like, right. my rectum and anus. Um, so yeah, I kind of knew something was wrong because the tone of the room changed and they sent me straight for a CT scan afterwards. So I was like, what, that same day? Yeah, yeah. So wow. Yeah, so I don't think that he didn't. And did obviously... you sense it then at that point? Did you think this is something else? Um, I did because suddenly a few people came into the room. There was like a counsellor kind of guy that was saying, do you understand what we might be saying to you? We found something that we don't like the look of. We can't confirm it's cancer till we've got the biopsy results. But right. So yeah, he they were very upfront with me, which was actually I appreciated because yeah. I I rather know. I yeah, know. absolutely. Yeah. And, and were you there on your own at this point, or had Chris come with you? So my mum and Chris were in the waiting room, and I was in like a day case sort of yeah. day case unit, so they yeah. couldn't come in with me. And they gave me a sheet, and it said at the bottom probable malignant something something, and I. Well, obviously right. know that that what that means so yeah. I was sat there and I thought well probable it's not possible yeah. <laughs> it's probable so I had to go out and and tell Chris and my mum I had a little I think I had a little cry but I was like right like we just got to go down and get the CT scan done so because we had like something to do straight away I think it yeah it, didn't, it wasn't really like an emotional moment it was a bit like, no. like let's go and do this yeah yeah I get that yeah, so, um, so you had then, your CT scan, but then uh, presumably you had to wait for the results then. Yeah, so we it was a week wait. And I think by that in that week, I actually mm. came to terms with the fact that, you know, I think this is cancer. Mm. Um, my, I think Chris was a little bit more in denial, obviously to protect, you know, himself. He yeah, didn't want to think the worst. Um, but I already knew. So when I sat in the room and they said it, it is cancer, I actually... I didn't, I didn't feel upset. I was very much, I'm sure a lot of people will say the same, like, what do we need to do? Yeah. <laughs> what do we need to do then? So yeah. um, you kind of go, it is that well, you go into of... that sort of fight or flight, don't you? Absolutely, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and you don't know. What's the plan of action? Yeah. yeah. And you don't know until it happens to you. You're like, you don't know mm. how you're going to react. So when mm. people say, you know, you dealt with it really well, like you just, it's not a choice. You just, no. you just you, have to. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this, so, so when you were then told, what was the plan of action then? And did you know at this point how progressed it was? No. So um, they, well, they sent me down for a CT scan and then I, they obviously saw how big the tumour was. Um, mm. I obviously had, I, I was a bit like, I was really naive in the beginning. Um, I don't think I realised how bad it was and um, yeah, how massive my cancer was. So basically they told me that it was, it, they, I had an inoperable tumour. It was so big. It was basically filling my pelvic cavity. So it had pushed forward and completely wow. crushed my vaginal canal. So I had... Wow. Um, it, and it had grown back right into my spinal nerves. No wonder um, you were in so much pain. <laughs> yeah. So, and I kept getting by this point. I kept getting admitted to hospital as well because the pain was so bad. Um, 
and my bowel wasn't working. So the first thing they wanted to do was defunction my bowel, which is giving me a colostomy, which I, it, that's probably been one of the toughest things that I've had to get my head around. But at the time I was so poorly, yeah. I was just like, do whatever, just do whatever do. you have to do. Yeah. And is that then, excuse my ignorance, but is that a permanent thing then to have a colostomy? So at the time it wasn't going to, I didn't know whether it would be or not. So at the time they just said, look, we're going to give you a colostomy to try and get you through treatment because all we need to do is try and shrink some of this tumour so that we can operate on it. And presumably that would help relieve some of the pain as well because then the pressure of all that would probably be adding to it all. Yeah, so, um, and then they found in one of the scans that there was actually a, like a margin, like a canal in between it. So I actually had, two tumors um oh right yeah so that delayed getting me to treatment a bit longer because they needed to work out it looked very different on the scan it looked structurally really different so they thought it was a different type of cancer so they were worrying about that they had to Mm. go through the whole biopsy process of the second tumor again so all this time I was just getting progressively more poorly um and anxious probably because you yeah. just want to get the show on the road with what is the treatment and get the thing out of me exactly yeah. and I think by then that I realized that the advanced tumors that I had it was all locally advanced luckily there was a slight scare they found some things in my liver but that turned out to be benign tumors oh okay and, right but um yeah it, I think it dawned on me then that these tumors were touching so many parts of inside of me um they couldn't remove them and they couldn't obviously guarantee that the treatment would work enough to shrink them enough to remove like some yeah so I think that's when I sort of thought I just want to start chemo now I I was skipped into chemo I couldn't wait really (laughs) I couldn't wait wow and how quickly then did you did you go into the chemo so it actually took about 10 weeks from diagnosis to yeah it was a long that is a long time isn't it because I had my stoma surgery which I needed to recover from and then there was all these other obviously with the biopsy and like I just remember the timing was really the guy that needed to do this specialist biopsy in the area that it was sort of outside of my bowel was not there at the time so it it, time didn't I wasn't very lucky in that um, period of time yeah um, so yeah it did take uh, a really long time to get me to treatment that's why by that point I was excited for treatment I mean silly me little yeah. did I know <laughs> but I I was really eager to get just to do things like I oh, I by this point as well like a golf ball size lump came up in my groin so my node literally popped out and they were like we need to get this girl to treatment like asap wow so so chemo came before surgery then and that was because it was all just too big that he needed to shrink it yeah so they couldn't do surgery um on the tumor because it it, like yeah they they, so the two of them the twins were just the twins is that what you call (laughs) kevin and perry But they could, um, they physically could, they were inoperable. So yeah, yeah. so we, I had chemo and radiation, and um, with the a lot of bowel cancer, you have a day in the chair, chemo chair, but you also have this little chemo handbag that you carry along with you with a little pump in. Yeah, that's right. Um, oh goodness, I really, really struggled with chemo. Did I you? Was so oh, man. 
yeah and did you was it that you took that home with you as well the, yeah yeah I, you I, wear it like a little bag around you so yeah. um, there's a like a bubble like a balloon inside that gradually gets smaller and smaller I remember just sitting there watching it like just like desperate <laughs> yeah yeah oh um, my gosh so yeah and um I had did it make you sick were you sick or were you weak or like how what was the side effect um, my I really struggled with the sickness and the nausea like it was really really bad I had to stay in hospital at one point I was yeah I was really unwell um yeah see for me it was the sickness um that was the main overriding symptom the side effect that I had to be honest with you but it was really debilitating I I really I still actually have nausea now but I think I think my body's been through so much it's probably finding its own yeah yeah. balance again but yeah the um the radiation as well because of the area that I had it I had I got um like third degree radiation burns inside my bottom and vagina oh it's a glamorous time (laughs) so so I've always wondered that then so with the with the radiotherapy are you are you sort of like on stirrups and they have to just zap no no, um, I don't know. It can differ for um, whether you're on your front or your back. I was on my front. Um, and so basically because of the size of my tumour, obviously the radi- field of radiation was quite big. So it also mm. um, zapped my gynae organs and everything. Oh, yeah, It was really... So it's so... I always think it's so strange how something that can help you get better can also cause you so many (sighs) other problems yeah Um, but I would just wouldn't have even stood a chance without the radiation I needed to have that so right yeah so um and how much radiation did you need how many times I had 28 fractions so 28 sessions right um wow yeah it was and sitting down and stuff afterwards was that um so the burns didn't really happen until near I was really lucky in that sense that some people get the burns quite early on quite Uh, early yeah yeah, mine came quite late so I was able to do but I remember afterwards I was laying on the bed and I I couldn't put any clothes or underwear on I was just laying on the bed and it was just so I had a Dyson fan pointed at oh my god Chris kept coming in like oh bless you <laughs> I, know, I it can't was... even imagine how sore that must have been yeah it was it was awful it took about two weeks and then do you know what it just always amazes me how quickly the human body can heal yeah, it's like it's amazing. crazy yeah so I had because I, I had when I had radiation on my chest and in my armpit it was sore just the thought of anybody like hugging me or coming too close or like if my you know, Close. your skin gets a bit like claggy and like you yeah. just don't, you almost want it to be best. And, and the thought of it being that pain transferred <laughs> down into that region, I'm like, oh man. Yeah. It's obviously really yeah. tender down there. So um, yeah, and so one thing um, a lot of people don't know with pelvic radiation, it you have to do dilation of your vagina because your vagina can harden and shrink basically. So you get given these little dilators, basically. I know, it was the weirdest what? thing I've ever experienced. I went into this room and the nurse handed me this box and it had lots of different sized 
pink tube things and I was like what is this and she what they look like a like a vibrator oh she actually yeah so she pulled out a vibrator as well and I was literally like am I is someone filming me is this like a joke but the other ones are mainly just they look like the uh, test tubes so different okay test tubes um, and I was thinking, what is going on here? And she explained that you have to do it, otherwise, potentially, you'll end up with an unusable, unfunctioning vagina. I think oh it's called gosh. vaginal stenosis when it hardens. Right. Yeah. So this is who knew that was a thing. I know. So uh, basically, everyone who has pelvic radiation probably goes through this. It's just not very like not talked about. Yeah. So yeah, you have to do that. I mean, it's really invasive. This, this yeah. pelvic radiation, and you have a lot of organs going on down here. So yeah, yeah. they have to. It, use it's a lot more. Co- it just feels like it's just a lot more complicated. Yeah, down and there, you have it? to also make sure. to I obviously want to keep my bladder. So they make you fill your bladder up to the same amount every day, which can take some going back and forth to the toilet before your radiation session um and it's basically oh, to try wow. and lift, lift the bladder out the way yeah. a bit so, right. that, so that the radiation feels so like that must be an exact science to have to try and yeah I was really lucky that my bladder always had a residual amount so I didn't have to right. do but you'd see some people okay. in front of me going back and forth oh drinking god. water yeah. going having to a toilet. little bit oh yeah. god yeah so these are the these are the things that I didn't know about at all, no, and you kind gosh, of find them wouldn't. out as you go along. But yeah, wow, it's, it was absolutely fascinating. So so radiation finished. So we're in twenty twenty now, or or still twenty nineteen? Still twenty nineteen, yeah. And then it was surgery, wasn't it? So basically, it was quite miraculous in the my cancer responded so well to my chemo and radiation both twin the twins yeah the twins that yeah. um it was almost gone like it was literally i know so i what? i'm i have to i did lots of things and i'm not saying that i'm massively i'm a science girl in the sense of that's what saved me the chemo radiation but i also did like i cut i did my diet like properly looked at books of how can i support my body through this so I was so strict with my diet. I took supplements. I took mm. this magic oil. I took everything. Wow. So my team were like, this is beyond what we ever imagined. So yeah. we got rid of the bulk of the tumour. And actually yeah. with radiation, um, it sometimes takes time to see whether it's the like scar like dead cancer cells whether it's the cancer dying whether the the light up on the screen is actually live cancer or not right so I had a bit more chemo and they said that the next scans they were hopeful that you know maybe I would reach the point of no evidence of disease and could even look to get my stoma reversed they were always they weren't like they were always a little bit guarded about saying it I think we were all in shock just as yeah. to how well my cancer had responded. So then we got to the next scan and unfortunately it had already grown. My cancer had already started growing back a little bit higher up. So oh. yeah, <laughs> um, within three months of my treatment finishing. So was that, a, was that the same cancer that was growing back? It was a 
it was not the original tumor, but it was right. just obviously um, like a, a mustache. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so it was in a different, right. a slightly higher place, but yeah. So that yeah, must have was... felt really crap, you know, that you've gone yeah. through all that and you potentially had all that good yeah. news. But then, uh, presumably, you were still in a good place in that this one you will have caught found it earlier so they could surgery that they could remove it well the thing is so what happens then is that it's classed as recurrent cancer and it's a bit more complex than just you know that I couldn't have any more radiation I had the maximum amount that's allowed on on that area and obviously it had come back within three months of me stopping treatment so I my team had a chat and because of how much of my pelvic organs the initial tumor had touched they the only real option was to get rid of everything that the tumor had touched so is is that because if the tumors touched it there's a, a chance that that cancer could then go into your vagina or into other organs that it's touched and that it could potentially spread there is that why yeah well it's yeah. A, it's just a chance that there are microscopic parts yeah. still there that they can't see and um, right. and also that there was um in the re-scan where my cancer recurred I think there was some um in my uterus so it had kind of spread its wings in that three months so it was pretty it was more aggressive the second time round. if that right. makes sense yeah yeah I got it so it was obviously a case of dealing with this recurrent yeah. cancer that was moving a bit faster and spreading and also because they wanted to make sure it wasn't so he'd explain it to me like if you drop glitter with with stage four cancer if you drop glitter you think you've got it all and there might be a microscopic bit of glitter a little bit further away than what, you know, that's mm. naked to the human eye. Mm. And so basically that's how they explained it to me because I was like, okay, what do we do now? And, and, and when they told me about the surgery I needed, I was literally just horrified. So when, <laughs> so when, I, when I read that that was the surgery that you had done, I, I just thought, you know, like when, you, when you're when you writing a text or something and predictive text, like sometimes like shoves extra words in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, something's gone wrong with what they're writing because I'm, I'm not sure that there's very much of her left if you take all those things out. Yeah. Was, 30, was it 13 hours, the operation? Um, I think uh, just over 12 hours. Yeah, just over 12 hours. So um, I've never heard of it before, but weirdly I've met... Uh, my friend Alex at a cancer party and she told me about the surgery that she'd had and I was literally my mouth just dropped to the floor I was literally yeah. like what and then little did I know that two weeks that later was, that wow. I was yeah so it's called a pelvic accentration there are different variations of it um my one in uh, so they removed my ovaries fallopian tube um uterus cervix vagina rectum anus five no four spinal nerves so they did a sacral resection so at yeah. the bottom of my spine my left piriformis muscle and I also by that point had a little tumor in a bit of cancer in my left ureter so the tube from your kidney to your bladder 
Right. So they had to cut that out and then yeah. stretch the tube and reimplant it into my bladder. Right. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> so an enormous operation. And and did they test then all those organs and everything they took out? Did they test them to to find out if there were bits of glitter on them, or 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 they couldn't tell? Would it be too microscopic potentially at that stage? So they sent it away because they need to check that um, they got good margins from what yeah. they've taken out. Um, and I think there were some areas that were clear and there were some like the uterus and the cervix right. that had it in. They, oh, they also, um, my pelvic sidewall bone as well, they had to um, scrape that out. <laughs> right. Gosh. So there was so, a lot, yeah. But the fact that they 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 found those traces it must make you feel like it was the right decision to go ahead go through with that such major surgery yeah um, um it, it was that and also it with my um advanced and recurrent cancer I think me- most people don't make it to eight months without having that surgery um with my and I know that everyone's different and we're not statistics but like obviously looking at statistics yeah I I wouldn't it was growing very rapidly it had spread to my kidney tube yeah so yeah I don't you you didn't have have a I don't think no so so then if they take all that amount of stuff out surely they have to put something in its place do they well, no, I don't, I'm not sure about every person. I can only speak for myself, but no, they don't. Let, um, I have empty pelvis. There is, I think, a, 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 a thing called empty pelvis syndrome. Basically, um, I after surgery, I've been readmitted so many times, but one of them was, uh, was with a bowel obstruction, and it's because my small intestines have yeah. sunk into my... <laughs> empty because because they're just floating around and there's there's so much more room in there yeah Yeah, I get that yeah (laughs) it's it's like you know if you've got a stack of Jenga you know you start taking some of those bits down the old running knot's gonna come down if you're not gonna yeah yeah I mean I just law of physics is that you'd have to like re anyway they obviously know what they're doing yeah, so I... where so so you've been through that ridiculous major surgery. So 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 now where are you at? So what right now? Oh, no, right. What happened after, after this, that? I say so. Yeah. Basically, um, after the surgery. So with my particular one, they when they take your rectum and anus out. So the the worst part for me has been like from the vagina around the, your perineum to your anus it's just all cut out and then like cut through and then they have to sort of piece it back together um right. they took part of my right but, uh, buttock and reconstructed a what's called a neo-vagina um so it's a i don't even know what to call it yeah a, a vagina that's um not really my vagina but they've sort of made the effort to make because I'm I'm young you know <laughs> right. so yeah I think they want to do it so that you have I guess sexual function because it's obviously doesn't lead anywhere anymore I can't have a child anymore they've taken that away so yeah they reconstructed that but where they've sort of pieced they c- cover over your bottom and piece it all together so after the recovery's quite intense you can't lay on your back you get rolled from side to side yeah by the nurses until you can do it yourself um I had to like relearn to walk again on these big sort of weird 
spaceship-looking walking wow. frames. Because um, they took my four of my spinal nerves out and a stabilizing muscle from that side. It right. was a, a long process of... Actually, my surgeon came to check the next day to see if I had foot drops. Um, which yes, is highly likely right yeah. okay but I didn't and I, I was a dancer before this so I was really worrying about my mobility yeah yeah um, but I'm walking now without a stick so it took a few months I was walking with a frame and then I walked with a stick until probably just before Christmas but I'm right. walking without a stick now so that's really good wow um, and and does it feel when you walk now do you does it feel different to how you felt before or do you feel sort of back to normal with your mobility um mobility wise um not not really back to normal so I it feels like heavier on my left side and it gets right. weak so I can't walk um every day if I do like a big walk around the park I probably would feel it the next day so I can't right do it. okay but I'm building, I'm trying to build my strength. I think the fact that I was a dancer before has actually... That's got to help. Yeah, it, I feel like there's some muscle memory going on there. Yeah. And um, also so, the flexibility, that's got to help as well. You know, yeah, having definitely. supple joints and... Yeah. And you, you, you touched briefly on the fact that, obviously, where they took your uterus and everything, that it was obviously taken away your ability to have kids. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it, that's just, to me, uh, there's just the absolute unthinkable. Where are you at yeah. sort of mentally with that? You've had so much to deal with. that It's, yeah. it's like, you know, kick a girl when she's down and I then know. that as well. Is that so, something that, you're, that you're, you've come to terms with or where are you at? I think it's going to be an ongoing thing. So I feel like I was at the age where it was, you know, for me the time to think about having children and mm. I didn't have time to harvest eggs I was too poorly it was yeah. there were so many complications leading up to my treatment so I didn't get that chance but I guess in the first year I'd heard of some people who'd had ovarian cancer who couldn't use their eggs but could still grow and birth their children because of that you right. know so I think I readjusted my expectations and had had hope in my heart that I'd still be able to carry a child. So when they said they were going to take my uterus along with everything else, I was devastated. I yeah. was really, really devastated. I, you know, even a couple of months ago, I couldn't have talked about this without getting yeah. emotional. But what I think it's going to be is, uh, it's going to be cyclical because when I yeah. see people announcing their pregnancies or they're having their first scan, yeah. Bit, you know oh I've heard my baby's heartbeat that's when it hits you that you're never going to experience that and I think that's really really tough it's really tough and um, infertility is tough whether you've had a child before or yeah. not but for me yeah. like I don't have a baby and yeah. I wanted to be a mum so it is really hard and my heart goes out to everyone who has this taken away from them because yeah. of their cancer treatment because it's definitely the biggest thing I like you say I've got quite a lot to process and to be okay yeah, with but that's really that really broke my heart I have mm. to admit yeah it's really tough. Yeah, it's I, good to talk about it because there's a lot of people in this boat you know and they're too too scared to talk about it absolutely and I think talking for the talking definitely helps doesn't it and yeah. being able to share share that will help so many 
will help so many people. Um, so what happened then after your, um, after that surgery? So, so you, you found, so you had the, the recurrence. Yeah. So actually before the surgery, I missed out. So because of coronavirus, the um, complex cancer got, uh, surgery got cancelled at quite a lot of hospitals because their ICUs because obviously I had to go to intensive yeah, care afterwards of course yeah their intensive cares were very full of um, COVID patients so my yeah. amazing hospital St Mark's weren't able to do their complex cancer mm. surgeries from there so they had to look to do it at other clinics and private hospitals yeah but obviously there was like a bit of a delay going on for, for everyone as you know mm. cancer treatment kind of was like well on the they're gonna burner. die anyway so yeah, you know, leave yeah. Them. so actually I had to wait quite a few months for my surgery but I had some chemo in the meantime which was really great because I don't think I would have I don't think I would have been eligible to have my surgery if it hadn't been for the chemo because of the weight really? yeah my right. cancer it had already grown even with chemo it had gone to my ure- um, ureter so yeah. I imagine, imagine if I hadn't had any treatment, because a lot of people weren't yeah. getting chemo through COVID. Yeah. So I have wow. to say, I, I really am lucky. My hospital really pushed, my oncologist really pushed for me to have it. And I'm glad because I was still, by the August, allowed to have my surgery. And so many people, even though it's like the surgery you never want, what's worse than having it is being told that your cancer's too far gone, we can't do it. So. Yeah absolutely yeah so I so right I had my chemo then and then my surgery and then the the recovery is really long I'm still obviously I've got quite a lot of issues that I'm left with that maybe some will be for life maybe they won't but I and you don't know you're still sort of learning that yeah yeah so I've I mean I've been in I got home I got discharged after a month and I was blue lighted back in that day with sepsis no. <laughs> I know. it's yeah it was quite unfortunate but I actually all the complications I had are actually really normal like you can't have that much taken out of you without there being and then be something. no complications like yeah I people were saying oh you know it's been a really unlucky recovery and it's like I just think it's normal I think it's normal when you have I was cut from belly button right round to the back and opened up yeah. like wow. of course God. there's I... gonna be issues. <laughs> yeah. You just seem so like accepting of everything and so like calm about it. And like it just amazes me how you how you know you keep smiling. Have... I'm sure you have days where you I do. lose your shit. I'm sure you do. I do. Um, do you know what? It's really important as well. Like on my account, I try to be really honest with my struggles as well because yeah. you know, I'm a human being and I've had something pretty extreme happen to me. Mm. It's I've had to grieve for a lot and I have done that. I've had days yeah. where I've like cried for two days because of, you know, the life that I've lost, you know, the future yeah, I thought I was gonna have. Yeah. And also yeah. with with this, you know, with cancer, it, it, the, the shadow, the cloud is always above you of whether mm. it's going to come back. With stage four, obviously, and cancer that's already come back once, that's also like a big thing. Mm. So it's like this, it's like a, a juggle between I'm grieving for this stuff and I'm, yeah. I'm trying to come to terms with my new mm. body, but also 
I want to live every single day and make the most yeah. of it because I don't know if it's going to come back. You know, my bless my friend who had my, my really close friend who had my surgery a year ahead of me. Her yeah. cancer came back after a year and she passed away in January. And that's, again, it's like, you know, that her story was like my story. And what she did in the meantime was live every single day. Like she made the most of it where she could. Yeah. So it is that balance. And I'm sure mm. you've been there as well, where you're grieving and you're feeling all these sad mm. emotions. But at the same time, you're so grateful. Yeah. I, and I never yeah. knew it was possible to feel gratitude and sadness at the same time yeah. until I had cancer. Yeah, it's kind of it messes with your mind. <laughs> it does, it does. But you've, it definitely does drive you to the deepest despair, but also the most optimism in the world because yeah. it makes you feel, it makes you want to live every day to the complete fullest. Yeah. So, so after all your, your surgeries and treatments and everything, have you, are you now having like ongoing treatments? No. So I've actually, um, I've reached, they won't say a cure. They won't say I'm cured. I, they won't say that. Um, so I've reached a point of no evidence of disease. So they're at the, as it stands at the moment in my body, they can't see any cancer mm. and they're going to be just um, keeping an eye on that over the next I think every three months I'll have a scan and a blood test it more regularly to yeah. keep an eye but yeah I, I have to say we've reached a point that I, I don't think you we never ever thought, thought we were going to see reach. I got I got no evidence of disease and you know my dear friend who we lost I'm aware that she also reached no evidence of disease so it doesn't mean the end of things for people with stage four recurring yeah. cancer yeah but I just feel like I actually feel like it's miraculous like I know yeah. we always talk about miracles but I'm like we yeah. have reached this amazing point that we never thought we'd see yeah and I, absolutely what I don't understand is what how can you have no evidence of the disease but they say that you're stage four do they grade it at stage four because of the amount of organs that were affected is that why yeah, so stage four is when it's spread. Oh, so um, it's spread away got, from the bowel. Yeah, so it's in other organs, not just the bowel. So yeah, stage four it doesn't always mean. In I don't, I need to be careful because I'm not medical. So stage four, is, yeah. with my understanding, doesn't necessarily always mean that it's incurable. It doesn't necessarily mean right. that. Um, I from my own cancer's point of view so I think it's I think with stage four bowel cancer I think 10 or 20 percent mm, I should have I should know this get to five years mm. with um so it's obviously statistically stage fours are more likely to get their cancer mm. back and and yeah die from it but it's very, very dependent on the person. All my mm. cancer was locally advanced. So it was stage four. It spread away from the bowel. But um, mm. l luckily, it wasn't in my lung. It wasn't in my liver. Mm. So, yeah. It, and you it, obviously it, respond really well to the treatment. Yeah. And that's another, that's a really good point because some people will absolutely get hammered with chemo. And yeah. I've got friends that have passed away in the last couple of years who, they tried just as hard as me. Of course, of course. Nobody's and lost that. Yeah. No, I totally... And 
the yeah. thing is, it's just that their cancer did not respond to treatment and they couldn't have tried harder. And mm. so that's that's the thing with cancer is it's so individual. Yeah. And it's so people think that there actually isn't a rhyme or reason. Sometimes there is, but with some cancer, they're just rogue, aren't they? And there's all yeah. these, you know, genetic mutations and whatnot. And I was just mm. very, very lucky. You know, people think I'm not lucky because of, I mean, the, the surgery's left me with so many issues, more issues than Vogue, Chris says. But, um, <laughs> but actually, I'm very, very lucky because when I spoke to my surgeon a couple of weeks ago and I said about my prognosis and he said, you know, if we get to two years, we can relax a bit. But you know that most people with your cancer don't actually even get to your surgery, get to have the surgery. And it was, I actually, it was sobering. But I actually thought, this is amazing. <laughs> like, well, look at yeah. what we've achieved, you Yeah, know? because if you've got this far, how much then, further can you get? That's you know? it. And I, that's where you have to think, you know, although you've seen people go, you know, with their stories and not all of them end well, you have to just concentrate on your own story. Yeah. It's easy to get yeah, sucked into, oh, my God, it's going to come back. Oh, my God. And actually, I try as much as I can just to not have those thoughts. When I have those yeah. thoughts, I focus back on the present. And I've been working yeah. with a really amazing guy. And all I've had my bad days, but I feel like actually now they're fewer and fewer because he amazing. just keeps reminding me, "Come, all we have is now. All any of us have is now. We could all, yeah. you know, worry about the future. But our yeah. anxiety comes from whether we're looking back and regretting or feeling sad or looking or forward scared. and worrying. Yeah. yeah. And so, so is that a counsellor that you're seeing? Yeah, a he's counselor a counsellor. Yeah. He's kind of spiritual. Um, he's a shaman, actually, or shaman, however yeah. you say it. But, yeah, he's really... It's really helped you so much, and also he's helped me with the biggest thing is, that a lot of us have, especially with this surgery that I've had. Is he's really helped me understand that we are not our bodies, we are not what we look like, and that's been a hard one for me to get my head around. My whole yeah. job as a dancer was my body, but it's it's about shedding this like sadness about what I look like now, and right. you know, coming to terms with. Uh, my body does look like this now under my clothing, but it absolutely hasn't detracted anything from the person that I am. That's so is, powerful, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. And it is hard. It's easy to yeah. say and it's hard to do, but I feel like it. I am getting there. Not every day. Yeah. Last week I had a couple of days where I felt really sad and really, yeah. you know, oh, how yeah. am I supposed to come to terms yeah. with this? But I'm really able to get out of that quickly now rather yeah. than sitting in it. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> and what's your mission now? Like, mission to remission, <laughs> obviously. Love the name. Um, so what is your account about? Like, why why did you choose to do that? Um, so for me, at first, I felt really alone, as I'm sure you'll, un mm. um, you'll understand you get this diagnosis and also I was at the cancer at hospital with loads of elderly people around yeah. me. Um, I yeah. couldn't relate to any of that. Obviously it's still awful getting cancer, but cancer as a younger woman, it, you know, like we yeah. said earlier, 
it takes, I, you know, I was menopausal at 36. I've lost my chance of having children. So I wanted to find people that I could relate to, not to mm. like swim in misery and sadness, but yeah. to actually be empowered and be like, oh, yeah. wow, look at her. Like the, one of the first people that I followed was Bell Babe, Deborah. Yeah, I know Deb. Living with incurable cancer. And I thought, you know, wow. she she's not like miserable and depressing it's actually empowering to you choose who you follow and who yeah. you spend your energy on and it can actually mm. be talking about cancer doesn't have to be people will say now like why are you still talking about cancer so much because it's a big part of my life but also yeah. it's not depressing it, it just it is what it is and actually yeah. by we all understand each other even with different cancers Oh, we absolutely. all have that understanding, yeah. like that unspoken yeah. thing where I get it. Like, I yeah. might not get everything that you've been mm. through, but mm. I understand. And I understand that feeling of feeling yeah. really alone. Even if you've got yeah. so much love around you and so many yeah. friends, it's a lonely place, isn't it, Cancer? It, so... it, it really <laughs> is. And actually, like, you hit the nail on the head, the, the community on on social has, has just been amazing and it it helped me get through it and I know you know you'll be doing the same with yours and it's just in a way as well for me it makes me feel like something positive is coming out of something so shitty that happened yeah you know and um yeah. we, you know we've spoken today and we're not we're not dwelling on anything but we're sharing a story which will yeah. undoubtedly help help others and I'm really passionate as well that I want people to know that going through this surgery doesn't mean the end of your life it's very very different life now but there is life after it and I know that oh <laughs> can you hear me is it is it is it me or you I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> can I... Oh, I heard you then. Oh, I can hear you now. I can hear you. Yay. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I really want yeah, to... Um, I really want people to know that... So a lot of people choose to not have this surgery. And I understand why. Like, it, So I'm... I'm part of being part of like an advisory board at the moment to hopefully help future patients going through pelvic exenteration. And a lot of people choose not to have this surgery and just, you know, let the nature know, take its palliative. course. Yeah. Right. And it is hard to adjust. I have had mm. really sad days, but there's life after it. And you know what? I always say it's really cheesy. I was watching the sunset and I thought, this is just as beautiful, whether I'm pooing in a bag. Yeah. So beautiful, I can still enjoy it. Oh, happened again. Happened again. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. So, so you're so do you, you basically live with a stoma now? Yeah, so I've got a stoma. I just have one. Some people who have exenteration have two. I'm really lucky. My surgeon knew how I wanted to save my bladder so I wouldn't have the urostomy. 
so they painstakingly took that tumor oh. out of my ureter like my surgeon's literally a dream like oh. he's actually like super fit as well <laughs> but yeah he's so lovely but like he they knew I really really wanted it to try and come away with just one bag mm. and I'm so grateful to them they they did that with my bladder but yeah some people live with two bags I have one bag of colostomy so it's a portion of my large bowel is bought out so you can see the pink intestine a lot of people don't realize that um and then yeah so I have a bag around it that collects the waste um poo and and it's enough to change isn't it I follow bag of life I don't know um bag life of Beck yeah bag life life of Beck yeah with her the other week and it's so interesting yeah and you wouldn't know that she had it, you know, and, and you can live, you, 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 you can live day to day and people not know about it. And Yeah, I have to say this has, um, as well as the fertility, like not being a mum, the bag has been one, a really big thing for me to get my head around. Yeah, I was really low, really depressed about having a bag when I found out that it was permanent. The first year when I knew that it could be reversed, Mm. I was like, brilliant, whatever. Mm. Now, um, when I found out I needed, they needed to re- remove my anus, obviously, if you haven't got an anus, <laughs> that bag's permanent, you know? So um, they call it a Barbie butt, because you know how Barbies don't have bum holes. <laughs> I know. I can you change your Instagram handle saying, I've got a Barbie butt. I've never heard that is absolutely... I mean it's just hilarious (laughs) but yeah see when I found out that it was going to be permanent uh uh, bow baby um yeah see when I found out it was going to be permanent I did I actually said I was really low when when they first told me about the surgery what they needed to do that they had to take my vagina and my bum and everything and I actually cried and said I wish you'd never saved me I wish you'd never saved me luckily it was just the, in, you know, that initial yeah. heartbreak. Yeah. And I got over that quickly and I found my fight again and I was like, let's do this. But yeah, when I, I it has been a really I big thing. Write a book about it. <laughs> it, it's the most, it is absolutely, it's fascinating, but in the same breath, it's just so inspiring inspiring that you've that you've just been dealt this enormous plate mm-hmm. and that you are still here like the rest of us just talking to it and I think from other people looking in I think we're just all massively in you I know that you haven't had a choice and you very much see it that this is the card I've been dealt and I've just dealt with it the only way that I've known how to yeah. um, but it really is so amazing I feel like as well, I'm not, um, I don't have any aims. I, I'm in a predicament with, not a predicament, but I want to use my account for good to help people. But, you know, I do also want to move forward as well and, and live my yeah. life. So it's not all about cancer. But what I think. On there then. Sorry. What other things do you do on there? Is it d- darts? No. Well, I haven't, I really want to get back to that. This is one of my goals, because obviously at the moment, so I think I actually have a blue badge. So obviously I had the bottom of my spine basically cut off. Um, So at the moment, walking is a challenge. Yeah. But I really have, I feel like, you know, when you've kind of, 
you've surpassed the odds do you think yeah. right well I've done that so I'm gonna do this so I really love to get back to dancing I want to do something I'm a bit I'm unsure at the moment because I this is you know a point I never thought I'd get to so I'm almost like you know and you're like what I actually wrote on a piece of paper what do I do now and I'm trying you know because I'm not the same person yeah. physically mentally I want to do something meaningful meaningful to me hopefully to help others but also something I'm physically able to do so at the moment so I have my um, stoma bag I have to self-catheterize every day so my bladder it has nerve damage from the surgery and I have right um, I've had some kidney issues I had hydronephrosis which is just swelling of the kidneys but unresolved that can cause kidney damage so I'm actually having some kidney tests again on Thursday at hospital so we're managing those but it's quite a lot to manage every day with yeah. my mobility, self-catheterizing, yeah. um, my stoma bag, um, and a, quite a, a fair bit of pain, obviously, where they've cut things around and about. Um, so I want to do, find something I'm physically able to do as well. So there's, it's kind of, it feels kind of pressured, but also exciting. <laughs> so I don't know. What... You must sort of feel a little bit invincible in that if you've come this far, like, what else could I... I mean, look at Bow Babe. I look at her daily and think, I just don't know how you are cartwheeling around still. Know. You know, it is... I saw her earlier dancing with the chemo I... pump attached. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Well, you know, I saw you doing some very gentle, like ballet moves. Yeah, one of the nurses. Yeah, so that was after that was ten days after my exenteration. I have to admit, I did worry that I felt like everything, everything I... left in me was going to fall out. <laughs> Not that there's much left, but um, yeah. So we did a little bit of ballet and. Yeah, I really want to. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where where things are going to take me, but I'm very much at the moment just like taking things day by day. Yeah, of course I'm having bad days. Like I say, I am very transparent on my page that 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 cancer isn't easy. We all have our, you know, especially I have to say the legacy of the surgery I've had. Of course I'm going to have days where I feel yeah, a little bit down you know but yeah I don't know where life's gonna take me I I'm excited but also just what did you say oh it's high on steroids now I'm eating chips bow babe yeah (laughs) like you know I just want to carry on um living it's hard to live your best life in lockdown I know but I just want to just enjoy my day spend the days doing things I like doing I'm so thrilled that I can go walking now and I know people who've had my surgery who can't so I am in a position I always have to you always have to adjust your expectations like two years ago if I said oh I'm thrilled that I've gone for a wee without using a catheter and I'm thrilled to walk around Victoria Park I'd have been like what are you on about but you you adjust your expectations and you have to take the wins take the little wins whatever they are and the little wins are actually big wins aren't they you know (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely well listen I won't take up any more of your time and you've just like I'm just in awe (laughs) nobody else on here and thank you so much for just being so um 
honest and really giving with your story and I know it will help so many people um thank you for having me no thank you and you know it's really important that everybody everyone on here spreads the word that you know bottoms matter yeah (laughs) and know your poo you know it's not just about boobs I know I bang on about boobs all the time (laughs) it really is your bums as well and um everything in between and do definitely give Nat a follow it's mission to remission um yeah you're incredible let's keep in touch I'd love to get (laughs) and thanks to everyone who I can see so many people have said hello it's so lovely yeah so much love wonderful so nice to have everybody on here all the best have a lovely evening bye bye guys bye